Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Having a good long weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Good. Yo, we had a busy service this morning. We had two little ones dedicated to the Lord. One was very little, one was already one. So that was awesome. Great. All right. Um, so this morning I spoke mostly to dads and parents. And uh, so the, I decided I'll take a bit of a different angle tonight, and um, let's uh, let's just pray for the word. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, Lord, and thank you that you are present here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing and that you are our teacher. Thank you that you lead us into your truth, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, we see this interesting dynamic in Scripture, and often we this is a um, misconception that one sees uh, with people that are not believers. Um, they, in terms of the big, it seems that there is a big discrepancy between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, and, and Jesus and the and the God of the Old Testament. And often people say, "But it's so confusing. How can it? How can it be?" Um, and but it, it, when people talk like that, it's clear that they don't have a good understanding of Scripture. It's kind of a superficial kind of understanding of Scripture. Um, but one thing that is really that is very different, um, and that that Jesus came to introduce a new idea that Jesus came to introduce uh, that wasn't yet there, wasn't really prevalent in the Old Testament times, uh, was is actually the one that is really central. To our faith, an idea of that has affected, has affected the way how we relate to God, and um, and that is the that idea that that God is a Father. That is not something that we see in the Old Testament, and um, and Jesus comes and he starts to speak about my Father, and he speaks about our Father, and when they ask him how should we pray, then he says our Father, and then he speaks about. You know, when you pray, your Father will reward you. And then he talks the whole time about your Father and my Father and our Father. And and, and that was a, a really big shift because that was not something the guys were familiar with. They were, they were not relating to God as a Father up to that point. So this was a big shift for them. Um, and it's important to realize that, you know, that God is not a Father to everybody. Right? Yes, he is creator of everybody, and yes, he's, he's um, you know, his, his grace is there for everybody. And he, you know, the word says he, he lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust. So there's grace and his blessings. Um, sometimes uh, people that are not are far from God also receive his blessings. But that we see here in the scripture, and I just want to, it's not on the screen, but I want to read first uh, John 1. Um, says here, 
verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So this is not a generic thing. This is not something for all humans. This is very specific. Those that receive Jesus, because it's talking about Jesus, those that receive Jesus, those that would believe in him, um, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then similarly in Romans 8, I want to quickly mention here, Romans 8, uh, verse 13, 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, by the but if by the Spirit you, will, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So he's making it clear that this is not everybody, all right? Remember a week or so ago we spoke about um, how just the fact that we carry the presence, the power, the Spirit of God means that, that we are different. We're different from everybody else. In a spiritual perspective, when the angels are looking down, they can see the difference. There's somebody that is carrying the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, the same power that was in, in Jesus, it, we carry that same spirit. Um, and, in, you know, it, it's a huge difference. And that, those that believe in Him, those that uh, are led by the Spirit of God, those, he is, those are the sons of God, those are the children of God. Are you with me? And uh, what's really interesting, it's maybe a little bit, off track that uh, in terms of what I'm talking about, but uh, there's this amazing, there's a couple of times in the Old Testament, but this is one of them where even though the reason why people feel that the God of the Old Testament is different is because they see all this wrath and this anger of God and people going off the rails and then God just wipes the whole country or he just wipes the whole group of people off the face of the earth and, and people are like, oh, you know, that's hectic. Um, <clears throat> and obviously that's, there's stuff around that that people wrestle with. Um, but this, it's so powerful that when you see the context of the love of God and the, the redemptive plan of God throughout Scripture, it becomes clear. And uh, I just want to read this one verse from Jonah. Because Jonah, remember Jonah, he was um, the reluctant prophet, okay? <laughs> you know, God spoke to him very clearly and he just said, no way, he's going the other way. And... Uh, and he was so angry with where God was sending him. He, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, hadn't, didn't have an issue with being a prophet. But he didn't want to go where God was sending him. Because he was, you know, he, these people were so bad. The, the, what they were doing was so ungodly. The, this, the abominations, the stuff that they were up to, it was so hectic. That he just couldn't get it, find himself to actually uh, have compassion. He, and um, and yeah, and he was, he's, you know, you remember what happened? He and he ended up after running the other way. The Lord helped him get back on track with the fish and everything else. And then he ended up there, and it ended up bringing the word to the people to repent. 
and then they actually do. They repent. They turn, and they, and the word accomplishes what God sent it to do, and that's a miracle. I mean, the whole city, apparently, it was a massive thing. The whole city, and then Jonah's upset <laughs> because he's, how's this possible? How can it be so easy? You know, these people have been so hectically bad and evil. How can God have compassion on them? And then, um, let me just find this here. Are we there? And then Jonah says this here. He says, uh, oh yeah, so then, then jo- and, and then God says, I'm not going to destroy them anymore because they repented. They've turned. And then this is the next bit. He said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? So he's, he was saying, God, that's why I didn't want to go in the first place because I knew you're going to forgive these people. <laughs> I knew, and that this, but look, this is the Old Testament God, right? Let's see what, let's see how, how Jonah, he knew this is the way God was. He says, Lord, is it not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. This is the God. He knew. He knew that the Lord was going to forgive. He knew that the Lord would have compassion if the people would turn. But it's such a powerful um, image that even in, when, you, when those that, have, that had a knowledge of God had this revelation of God, even in the Old Testament. Does that make sense? In any case, I want to focus tonight on, on that, the image of God that Jesus comes to give us, the, the one of the Father God. Um, and uh, I want us to look at the, the parable that Jesus tells that illustrates this Father heart of God so powerfully. Um, and uh, I want to just read the whole parable, Luke chapter 15. Um, and I just want to look at a couple of things that just to point out there. Okay. Luke 15 from verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property, excuse me, in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There's a lot in here. It's a well-known parable. But there's, it's interesting to see the way that Jesus tells it because he's pressing a, little, a few buttons here that maybe we miss because we miss some of the culture of the day. Now, firstly, this guy, this young man, was very bad. He was a hectic sinner. The way that he treats his father, when, when Jesus tells us, I'm sure the guy's there almost had a heart attack, the way that he demands his inheritance before his father is dead and then takes it all and, and leaves the father, that, that is a hectic thing in the culture of the day, right? So that is dishonoring this dad to the nth degree. It couldn't get more, much worse than that, all right? So, firstly, they, they must have thought this guy deserves nothing. He's done the absolute worst thing that you can do towards your father. He's asked for his money before his dad has passed away. He's taken his share and he's gone off. And it gets worse. Then he, he doesn't even do well with it. You know, it, it gets worse. Uh, you know, he just is reckless and he squanders and he just. Uh, so in their eyes, the guy's listening, thinking this guy is the worst. It's like the guys in Nineveh, you know, they can't get worse. This is hectic stuff. You know, it's reckless living. And then it gets even worse, all right? How, how does it get worse? He's a Jew. He ends up among the pigs. That's hectic, guys. In the culture of the day, that's like, that's as unclean as it gets, unclean in terms of, spiritual sense you know going and being amongst the pigs and having to you know be in that filth and then wanting to eat their food so they were freaking out at that point because this guy is so far off um, the rails that it's it's impossible to imagine that there would be grace for him okay so that's the way jesus paints this picture it's impossible to imagine that the father could have compassion on him no son that did this and that ended there, would receive any compassion from any father. And can you see the son thought the same? That was his expectation. He was thinking, now he was convinced, I'm no longer worthy because of this. He knew this is a fact. I'm not worthy. I haven't, I have done the, and he came to sense, he realized what he had done, and he realized, well, this disqualifies me. I can't be a son anymore. I've, I've, I've lost that opportunity. I've given up my opportunity to be a son of, of my, my right one. I've given up and I've squandered my inheritance. So there's nothing left for me. I can maybe be a slave now, but that's it. Can you see that you had the same expectation and the guys listening probably thinking, yes, this is about right. You know, maybe at, at best he can be a slave. I think they would have agreed with that bit, right? So Jesus paints this picture deliberately, I believe, because he was, in terms of this person is beyond redemption. This is beyond saving grace. This is beyond compassion. This is beyond the grace of God. This is beyond the grace of any father. All right? So this is where he's coming from. <clears throat> and then 
And then we see this thing that must have, um, it's just something that they wouldn't be able to relate to at all. Must have just bowled them out. Because he sees, he says that he ca he's coming back and his expectation is to be a slave. And then we see this picture. And now, again, this is something that in the culture of the day, for a, a grown man, uh, a father of sons that are grown up, so probably already approaching grandfather type of age, you know, because maybe the oldest son already had family, I don't know. But for a father of a, a man of that age, a landowner, somebody that was, you know, wealthy, they did not run. It just not, didn't happen, okay? So that would be very undignified for a person of that stature to run. It just didn't happen, okay? <laughs> I don't know what you did when you were in a hurry, but um, you just thought well, you had a horse or a <laughs> carriage or something. <coughs> um, but this must have bowled him out because he says while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. Now that must have pulled him out. They did not expect this, but that is the heart of the Father. And that is why Jesus was illustrating it like this. He's saying, this is not an earthly father. This is not like earthly fathers. This is a different father. This is the father who's created and in invented fatherhood. This is the example of what a father should be like. While he's afar off, he throws aside his dignity. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care about his stature or your social or status or whatever. He runs. He runs. And remember, this boy is coming from amongst the pigs. He's not clean. Okay? He's coming a long way, a far country. He's been traveling. He's not... Probably not smelling great, you know. He's probably still got pig manure all over him. He's he's still carrying the the smell of the pigs, right? But he he doesn't say, okay, let's just get a hose and hose you down, then I'll shake your hand. No, he runs and he embraces him. And again, they must have thought, oh, how's that possible? But he's freaking them out because he's showing them a picture of the father that they had not seen before. He's illustrating something to them that was unfamiliar to them. And he's saying, this is the heart of God for his children. Somebody that is beyond redemption. Somebody that is in this filthy state. He runs to meet them. That is the father heart of God towards us. He runs. He embraces him. kisses him. And then his son starts to apologize. His son starts to repent. And he, you know, um, and then he, you know, he had this thing in his head that he knew he was going to say, you know, this whole, you know that works when you, you did something really bad. Um, you guys probably hadn't experienced this when you were younger, but when you know your dad's going to be very upset about something and you kind of got this story all straight in your head and you're hoping, hoping it works, you know, he's got his story and, um, and the dad just ignores him. He just doesn't pay attention. But he obviously he can see he's repentant and he's coming. And then he says this, he says, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. In other words, this calf has been made ready for the a, a very 
a big occasion that that wasn't done often. It was like, you know, only for huge occasions. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and be c- and, and celebrate. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. And, and that, what he says there, kind of ac- accentuates the gravity of the situation because his son was dead to him. That was his status. That was in any, in their social circumstances, you know, um, circles that would have been that son would have been like dead. You don't talk about him; he's not part of the family anymore. But in, and can you see that he kind of affirms that yes, this son was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And I just wanted to look at a couple of things here from what what the father does when he meets um, when he meets us because this is us, right, guys? In our sinful state beyond any grace and this is this is what god's grace means is that you know his mercy uh, mercy and grace is that, that his mercy means that we he doesn't give us what we do deserve though so he doesn't punish his son he doesn't hold his sins against him because of the blood of Jesus. But then his grace means that he gives us what we do not deserve as well. He doesn't only withhold what we do deserve. He also gives what we don't deserve. So let's look what he gives. Firstly, um, um, yeah, actually before I get to that, and this picture of the sun going to a far country is so powerful because it, it illustrates that, that fleeting um the what the exactly what sin does is the f- a fleeting promise of pleasure there's a promise of fleeting pleasure and it's something that it sounds great it looks amazing there's this temptation that this is going to be a great thing but it always overpromises and it always underdelivers okay there's always this the enemy but dresses it up said so this is going to make you feel amazing this is the best way and and what he's illustrating is that when we f- go and seek pleasure and fulfillment and identity and we go and seek all these things outside of the Father, it just ends up in absolute disaster. Whenever we go and find, we go and seek pleasure and fulfillment and identity and our, all those things that are really, that every human is designed to find meaningful. When we seek that outside of God, it always we always end among the pigs. Every time. It may be, you know, on a surface we might seem we're doing great and you know, maybe you find wealth, all of those things, but when it comes down to the what is really what really matters, we end up amongst the pigs. It's just in we end up amongst uh, in disaster. And um so there's this, um, there's this lure of, as Phil said last week, the lure of wealth and he, the, the promise of something better beyond the Father's house. The lie that the enemy would hold before us to say there's something better. And that's, I mean, right from the Garden of Eden, that was the lie of the enemy, that's, that God is withholding something from you, right? That's what he was saying. No, he says, 
if you eat, you will become. So he's, he's basically saying God is withholding something from you. Outside of God, there's something better for you. That is the lure. That is the, the lie. And can you see that this is exactly what the same lie that the son, he went to pursue something outside of his father's house, outside of the family business, outside of what he was born into. And it ended in absolute disaster. All right. So firstly, the robe. Okay. Now, those days, the robe was a big thing because the, the robe that you wore identified who you were in the community. Okay, so it's, it's, it speaks of his identity. And, um, and the best robe would have been the father's robe. Okay? And, and that's exactly what happens when we come to Christ. And that is a, such a powerful illustration that there, there's an exchange that happens when we are born again. There's, an, there's a powerful exchange that happens when we come to God with our filthy robes, our stench of pig manure, of our sin and our shame and our guilt and everything from our past. We come and I don't know if you've, you've uh, what's the longest that you've gone without washing, without bathing? I think my longest was five or six days where when the, in the defense was doing a fuzz bait and you're in the felt and you sweat a lot and there's no, there's no chance to clean uh, because you, yeah, it's just, it's basically PT for six days or something. But <laughs> there's, no, there's no opportunity to wash. I promise you, it's not pleasant, all right? <laughs> you take off your clothes and you put them in the corner, they stand up. Stand up straight. <laughs> you can just climb back in. In any case, but um, yeah, that's hectic. It's not nice. But what, what helps is everybody is the same. Yeah, so you kind of, okay, well, it's everybody is having the same issue that I have. Anyways, um, but now this is, this is the way we, we come to the Father. And this is often why we, we, you know, we struggle to come to Him because we feel, I want to clean up first. I want to clean up before I go to the king. And uh, you know, it's it's like saying I want to get better before I go to the doctor. I want to I want to sort myself out before I I receive healing, you know, and and I want to encourage you that even as believers we sometimes do the same. We end up feeling so ashamed of 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 something that is with us that we've wrestled with is that we feel we can't go like this. Okay. Um, but can you see that he embraces it like that? And then he, he does that exchange. He takes that robe. He takes that filth. And he says, listen, I've, because of the blood of Jesus, I've got something better for you. And Jesus takes that filth upon himself. And, and, it, it, and there's an exchange of robe that, robes that happens as they did when they, in the, in, in the, um, Bible times when they cut covenant with each other, this is one of the things they did. They exchanged robes. And that you could see, well, hang on. This guy is wearing that the mayor's robe. That means they're in covenant. That's quite hectic. That's a serious thing. So and 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 that's what happened at the cross, is there's an exchange that happens, and Jesus takes our filth and our shame and our sin upon himself, 
He takes your identity, which you thought was who you were in, in sin and shame. This is who you were. You were destined for hell and death. Uh, we were destined for the pit, and we were living the lies of the enemy about who we are. He takes all of those lies, all of those things that you carried as part of who you were under the law of sin and death. He takes it upon himself. Every curse, every curse that was on you and me, every sickness, every sin, every thing that, that is all about the, the reality of sin and then the repercussion of sin, he takes all of that upon himself. And he, instead he gives us the robe of the son of the king of kings. So that anybody in the spiritual realm, anybody can see, oh, hang on. They are wearing the robe. This person is in covenant with the King of Kings. This person is carrying the robe and the Spirit of God. Amen. And I just want to quickly read this um, bit here from Zechariah. <coughs> also affirming this. Um, and the angel showed me Yeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Yeshua. And this is what happens in the spiritual realm. We're being accused by the accuser. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. He was about to be burnt. This is close. He was been snatched from the fire. Josh, Yeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. Okay, that's us. So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Yeshua, I said, See, I've taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. And I said, They should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes, while the angel of the Lord stood by. That is the exchange that happens when we are born again. And I just want to—I just felt there's one or two things around our identity that that maybe the Lord um, wants to point out this evening in terms of uh, you know this morning we sp well today we're celebrating dads and and we did Father's Day and this morning we prayed for the f dads among us and. Um, one of the main roles of a father is to impart identity to children. And that is why it's such a crucial role when, when dads need to impart identity to their little girls and their little boys when they, when they are in confusing phases or whatever. But the dad needs to be there to impart identity all right, at those critical times. And, and the and unfortunately, often when if the father is not aware or if a father is not in a place to do that, then there's, there's an opening that is left. There's a, a gap that is left for the enemy to, to impart identity. Okay? Um, and often we, we, we wrestle with so many things. Even when we come to God, we wrestle with things because... The enemy has managed to convince us that this is part of who we are. 
he's managed to and and this is stuff that we bring from our old life with us and unless the holy spirit shows us this thing that you've believed about yourself is a lie from the pit of hell unless the lord reveals those things to us we continue to wrestle with those things and the more we allow the holy spirit the more we allow the father to impart identity to us as we become more like jesus the more those things will be exposed in our lives and we will be transformed. Amen? And that's part of the renewal of our minds that has to take place. Paul talks about having our minds renewed, um, you know, being transformed. Not being conformed to the world, but being transformed. And that's part of that. Our minds need to be transformed. And the lies that we have believed need to be exposed so that we can see the truth of who we are. In our identity in Christ, um, and yeah, so you know, lies about the thing about what you what you think. Don't believe everything you think. Okay, it's a tip for everyone. Write it down somewhere. Don't believe everything you think. <laughs> the problem is what we think, what we meditate on, what we allow in our minds. If we if we don't, if it's something ungodly and we don't deal with it, it becomes a, a thing becomes an argument, a stronghold, a high thing. And that that thinking come, becomes believing, and believing be, you know, shapes us who we are and shapes what we do, how we act, how we live. So thinking is important. What do you, what do you, uh, do you allow yourself to meditate on? What do you allow yourself to think on? Because that's going to shape your beliefs, and your beliefs will shape who you are and what you think, what you confess, what you say, and what you do. Amen. Um, so this imparting of, de- of of identity is such a crucial part of us being transformed. And um, when he gives the robe, he's saying, "I'm giving you a new identity, a clean slate. You, the filthy robes have been removed. The lies that you've believed about yourself. I want to expose him. I want to give you truth. And and guys, this is one of the best reasons to read a lot of scripture." <laughs> Is to recognize, well, th- this is a lie. I've believed this about myself all my life. But this is not what, the, what God says about me. And there, there are, there's some powerful shifts that need to happen. And there's a lot of um, us that wrestle with sin and re- re- cycles of s- destruction because of our, we don't have a revelation of identity. Amen? So I want to encourage you to uh, wrestle with God about this. And allow the Holy Spirit to impart identity. Okay, I need to hurry a little bit. Um, and then he says, he put a ring. Um, you go to the ring. So he puts a ring on his finger. And this refers to the, this would have been a, a ring those days. that used also used rings to, to make a seal. It would be like, you know, in the, in the movies when they use a ring to make a seal. They use them for, in other words, on the, in the wax or something, make a mark. Or seal a document, or you know, in other words, that would be like a signature. Um, and when any, ever there would be a transaction, or a business transaction, or some decree, or something important happening, they would put a seal on it to say this. You know, the dad would be in charge of the family empire. He would put his seal on it, say this is this is what's going to happen, or this is what has been said. This is what we've committed to. All right. So, so you're giving him authority to transact on behalf of the family. 
And he's, he's now, <laughs> this again must have blown their minds because there was an older brother, okay? But now the young guy who's been in such a terrible place, he now gets a ring. He now gets authority. To, and he now gets invited to be part of the family business. Be in, to be a co-heir. To, to inherit again. And not only inherit, but he is given authority to act on behalf of the Father. This is going into a whole new dimension, a whole new level. Right? So we receive authority from our Father to act on his behalf. And, you know, this is something I believe if we, we miss it so often. But every day, it's like, you know, the angels, when you wake up, like I said last time, you wake up and the angels are like, what are they going to do today? <laughs> because they are filled with the Spirit of God. What are you going to do? How are you going to, what are you going to say? The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in them. They're carrying the authority of the Father to, to do His will on the earth. Um, so we receive authority on his from to to be representatives for God on the earth. And if we go into any situation with that in our minds, I believe we will we will do things differently. <laughs> if I go into my workplace or into my classroom or into my wherever with the with the revelation and the conviction that I am here representing the King of Kings, I'm gonna carry myself differently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach things differently. Amen. So he receives the ring, and then finally um, he receives sandals or shoes referring to the destiny, saying, uh, affirming his destiny, affirming the p that he is part of the purposes and plans of that family. And for us, God put puts those sandals on our feet, and he's saying, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I mean, I have plans of a hope and a future, and, I, and you are part of my purpose and my plans. And, you know, Jeremiah 1, um, maybe I should just quickly read it. Uh, the Lord says to Jeremiah um, this very powerful thing, and this is what I believe he wants to speak over each of us this evening. He says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, verse 4, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let that sink in a bit. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were not an accident. You were not the oopsie that your parents didn't plan for. A lot, Lamiki. Nobody saw coming. Amen. Parents say that about kids. Say, well, you were a mistake or you were an accident. It's not like Jesus. God says, I, before, the f uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, O Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So he says, I formed you before, 
Before I formed you, I knew, I already knew, I already ordained you before I formed you in the womb. Are you saying that the destiny, the plan, and the purpose that God has for your life it was already there before the foundation of the earth? Before your parents even thought of having a baby, long before that already, he had written down, he had planned, and he had designed what he had prepared, has prepared for you. There's no accidents. Amen. And this is why it's so important for us as believers not to compare ourselves to each other. That's the killer of joy, is comparison. When we look at the one next to us and think, oh, that guy is so anointed and you know, I've been struggling with this stuff and I'm, I'm nowhere in my faith. It just kills our joy. Don't do that to yourself. Amen. It's like, you know, like when um, Francis Chan was here the other day, he was, what example did he give? He was saying, it's like this podium comparing itself to the mic stand. So I wish I could hold a mic. You know, and the mic stand saying, I wish I could be like a podium. <laughs> But the designer is going, why? I've designed you exactly like this for a specific purpose. I formed you. I, des I planned you. I know exactly what I want you to do. And this is the way you should be because this is my plan and my purpose. You're not supposed to be a mic stand. <laughs> but yet we look at each other and say, oh, the guy's so gifted in that area and he's so good at that. And I don't have zero gifting and I've got nothing. <laughs> what have I got to offer? And God says, I knew you before the foundation of the earth. I have already ordained you, and I know exactly what I've planned for your life. Do not fall for the lie of the enemy that would say, but that guy, I must try and be like that guy. Who's going to be you then? <laughs> Who's going to do what God has planned for you if you're spending your life trying to be somebody else? He puts the sandals on our feet and he celebrates our destiny, what he has prepared for us, what he has uh, set before us. Don't compare with the person next to you. Amen. Before the foundation of the earth, he already knew what he has prepared for you. He already knew your shortcomings and your challenges. He already knew the mountains that you would face. Okay? But he still he knows all the plans and the purpose that he has. It hasn't changed that at all. <coughs> Before you were born, I sanctified you. What does that mean? I've set you apart for a specific purpose. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In Jeremiah's case, he's already, you've already been ordained for something very specific. Set apart. Separated unto God for a specific purpose. Glorious. Beautiful. For his glory. Amen. Let's stand this evening. I want us to pray. <coughs> I just sense that there's, a, there's some of us here that the, the Lord wants to show us some of those lies that we have believed. Maybe, maybe, um, and this is the reality, guys. Every human dad is not perfect. Okay, so that is a reality. As you may have had an amazing dad, but the reality is we are all human. Okay, 
that is real. But that's, that they would not, that's not going to limit God. Right? But the reality is that our, our earthly fathers are not perfect. So it, it there may very well be that when it came to the importation of destiny and importation of identity, that there was one or two places where the enemy managed to get his finger in the pie and managed to get a foothold there. Um, and there's maybe some things that you've believed about yourself that has shaped the way, you, the stuff that you've thought about, that you've believed, that maybe somebody said, or, or whatever, wherever it came from, it's stuff that you've thought and meditated on and believed and became to to live. And it's, it's something that's become part of who you are. Um, and I really believe Holy Spirit wants to show us some of those things and wants to impart wants to get, bring us to a place where we can allow the Father to impart destiny to us in that thing. For some of it, may, it may mean that uh, there's something that has been said that you will never fill in the blank, or you will always fill in the blank. Okay? Stuff like that, that the enemy wants us to believe. Or um, just st stuff, the lies that put a limitation on what is possible. It's like this glass ceiling of lies and curses and stuff that has been spoken over us that sits here. And unless we, we destroy that through the truth of who we are in Christ, that glass ceiling will sit there and will, will push down on you and will keep you from going where God has called you to go. Amen. But I really believe tonight that the Lord wants to remove any ceiling, any lie of the devil, any yoke. I just had the picture of, of us carrying yokes. You know, a yoke, a yoke of oxen is all about what the purpose of the oxen is, is to plow, right? So the yoke is all about purpose. It's about being productive. It's about performing, you know, doing something that will bear fruit. And, and if we are carrying the wrong yoke, that is not of God. We're going into d on a different path, and we are, we're not walking in His purposes and His plans. When we're carrying a different yoke, a yoke maybe that is based on somebody else's expectation, or a yoke of slavery that is tying you to a lie that you believed about yourself, that's taking you in a direction that God has not ordained. Amen. That is why Jesus says, come and take my yoke, my purpose. He's not saying you're going to loaf on the couch all day. You're going to work really hard. It's still a yoke, but it's His yoke. It's what He has designed you for. It's what He has formed you for in the mother's womb. The yoke that is easy, the, the burden that is light, because this is what you have been designed for. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Our Father, we thank you that although our earthly fathers are not perfect, thank you that you are a perfect father. You are a good father in every way. And right now, Lord, we open our hearts to receive from you as our dad, as our Abba father. Now, Lord, now, Lord, we open our hearts to 
receive impartation from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would gently come and show, shine your light on our hearts where there may be lies that we have believed, where there may be things that we have taken on ourselves, yokes of slavery, yokes of, that are connected to lies about who we are that are not of you. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, speak into every heart. Highlight something. Highlight things that, that we can lay down right now. Lies that we have believed, curses that we have believed, that we have taken upon ourselves. That the enemy lied to us and we believed him. And we fell and we stepped right into the trap. And we allow, and the enemy was allowed to impart identity. Thank you, Lord, that you just shine your light right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash Pretoria.